Another week, another What's Happening Now with me, Sam Hampson, and you, James O'Malley. You're here again. Watcher. Watcher? That's like a catchphrase you're working on, is it? Is it going well for you? That's my thing. People, I'm the only person who says it. Maybe, maybe more people will start, but it hasn't happened. Do you, think, do you think there's a reason for that? I'm too cool. I'm too cool for everyone else. Okay. 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 We'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, this week, it's not just Cool James and I. We are joined by comedian and voiceover artist, Emmy Files. Hello, Emmy. Hiya. How are you doing? How, uh, how are things? How's the world? Things are good. Um, if I'm sounding a little bit husky today, I think I am allergic to my own scarf, which is causing some problems. Okay. But that's not a bad thing. Sticking with the scarf, though? No, no, no. It's been removed. Oh, it's good. No, but I mean, like, permanently in life, you've not binned it. You're going, yeah, I still like the fashion of oh, it. Oh, no, it's cute. Okay, it's cute. Yeah, I mean, poisonous. if I have to take an antihistamine every time I leave the house, that's fine. It's a price worth paying for yeah. looking good. Um, yeah. That's fine. We're quite a husky podcast this week, it feels like, James, because, I mean, Emmy pulls off husky, me and you kind of go for a bit gross um, <laughs> which which we can't even blame on the scarf it's just our vibe we, all we, we went to labor conference and all we got was a bit of a weird lurgy yeah i don't think they'll put that in the election leaflets um, but we did leave liverpool last week um and and both just felt a bit miserable after maybe it was a post-conference crash but it, it wasn't a good vibe was i it? mean that is actually my home city so um i think the crash you felt is just the sadness of leaving liverpool thank god we didn't go harder on blaming liverpool there. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, we, we blamed labor and then very i was very close to blaming the whole region but um I'm no, blame sakir blame sakir and the glitter that got in our lungs yeah but it was um it was a good, good few days, James. We did the episode from mm. there, and, and how do you think it's kind of gone down nationally after that? Do you think Labour will be happy? I think they're reasonably happy. I think the glitter thing played out quite well. I don't think it's really going to change much. I think the only people who are really paying attention to party conference are sad acts like you know you you and I, normal people. They probably thought, oh, there's a thing I saw on the news vaguely. Yeah. Meh. Oh, the glitter thing. Meh. But is it going to change any minds? Don't think so. Yeah, Emmy, did you follow the party conferences at all? Yeah, I mean, do we think the glitter thing was totally genuine? I like, oh, oh, is this a conspiracy oh, theory? Oh, sorry, I mean, this, sorry. I've, I've, no, no, I've I'm here for gone it. gone right in there. No. Just, um, was there a second glitter cannon somewhere else <laughs> on, on, on the grassy knoll? Is that a ch- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay cool, yeah. cool. Do you know what? I just think the images of him shrouded in glitter actually did more to excite me about Sakir than anything <laughs> else yeah. I've seen of yeah. him. It's the one step away from process where they just come on and comb his hair and style it. Yeah, and just, yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't the best, but yeah. you know we still remember it. And one He's day, a bit of a grey man, and this was the first time I thought, yeah, I'd, I'd hang out with you, Sakir. Yeah, don't don't care what you're talking about, but you make that work. Yeah, yeah fair <laughs> enough. I, that has been the vibe, though. It feels like a lot of people have we've come away and went, oh, it was interesting. Oh, it's very in in the weeds of it. And at the time, people going, yeah, this is a big deal for Britain. You walk out, and Britain goes, oh no, it's fine. There's some glitter, wasn't there? So. So this week we're talking about what else is happening in the world, as every week we do. That's not a new thing this week. Uh, We've each brought a story to tell each other. James, for the first time, I think we've actually got a story that you've not heard of. Um, Mm. It's hard for you to confirm or deny that because you've not heard of it, but uh, there's some promise here. I'm looking forward to the surprise of of learning the news from uh, my reliable friends who will report accurately. Emmy's just made up a story. That's the beauty of this. uh, (laughs) That's why you've never heard it. Seeing if you'll buy it. (laughs) You'll buy it. And um, we will start this week with Spin the Wheel. I'll go first with my story. That's that's a very, uh, like, hmm, who should we start with? <laughs> Me. <laughs> Me. I'm going to go first. Uh, but now my story is, is a milestone for the nation, I think. Are you both familiar with Greg's? I may have visited. Yeah. 
James? Yeah, it's a cultural phenomenon. It is a cultural What's your favourite dish? I'm, I'm not a big Greg's person. Okay. Um, but I, I appreciate it's part of the, the sort of British psyche. It seems to elevate above, like, McDonald's and Burger King and KFC and all these other places. It's, it's, it's got a place. You, you know, people talk about Greg's and people go, oh, yeah, Greg's, in a way that people don't know about other, other brands. There's an affection for it, right? And Emmy and I are both northerners, and I feel like, mm. Emmy, I'm just going to throw you in with me here, that we're proud of a northern business that makes pastries, pasties, and anything. Uh, four words, sausage and bean melt. <laughs> is that what you call in us, or like is that an insult or? Uh, I mean, take it however you want, but I mean, the, Greg's are the only one offering that, and I'm here for it. Well, do you know what that sausage and bean melt has taken them a long way? Greg's, 84 years old, uh, they are now the largest fast food chain in the UK. Oh yeah, there was an eyebrow raise from James O'Malley and a light whistle from Emmy, so mm. both genuine impressed, I think, with the achievements <laughs> of Greg. Um, James, what does this tell us? about the nation as a whole, our eating habits, our health, our wallets. Uh, it probably tells us something ominous about our health, I, I think. Um, but I think it's interesting. It shows that the North is winning in the, in the great class war, I think. You know, there's a big divide in this country, uh, not between uh, Leave and Remain or Labour and Tory, but between sort of uh, Greg's areas and Pret areas. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm more of a Pret area person uh, because I'm a Southern softy, but um, that's that's the question Greg's I'd like to clearly, see. Is clearly winning. That's the question I'd like to see you go ask is to go out there and who's like Leave and Remain are still hanging around as big questions for the nation, but we should split uh, the voter groups a different way mm. uh, for the next election. It's not left and right; it's Greg's and Pret, uh, and and that's the thing. But yeah, it's it's has got healthier over the years. It's now got two thousand four hundred stores nationwide, topping Subway's two thousand three hundred. And I believe that there's plans afoot to open even more. Did I just hear you say it's got healthier over the years? I think so. That Has was it? that was not a fact based assertion. I did I did say What's that. What's the evidence there? Do, do you know what happened there, Emmy? Is I said that went. Oh, maybe I should back away from that. I tried backing away from it, and you fact checked me. You picked me up well, on that. Well, that's not remotely what I, I'm here for. Right. But I don't recall seeing a protein pot at Greg's. <laughs> they do salads, though, right? <laughs> this not, none of us here are like yeah we go to Greg's for a salad not what you're going there for is it I, was, I think we're less likely to be sued if we say they have got healthier I think their, their PR team would be happier with that than if we were to say they've, they've got less healthy yeah I'm not saying they've got less healthy or the healthiness has remained neutral <laughs> they know. do do salads so you are right to confirm I've just tried googling that and we've decided that Greg's do do salads so that, that's enough for me <laughs> that's uh, they didn't always do salads 85 years ago they didn't exist so compared to when they didn't exist mm. I would say they are healthier than they were uh, good for Greg's um, James what's your mm. story of the week so I, I was delighted by this. So a new technology. This is a, sm a small startup, and I can't verify this actually works. But if it does, okay. I'm very excited. Just going to stop you there. That's two stories in a row where we don't know our information. No, no, yeah, no I, do, I do know this is a real story. It's a real thing that's happening. Whether the company are telling, you know, are overhyping their invention or not, I don't know. But what this is, is uh, a company called Turbulence Solutions has invented a turbulence solution. Uh, they basically... Even, it theoretically got a way to make planes less turbulent, which is brilliant because I'm a, I'm a nervous flyer. I hate getting on a plane, a single bump, and I'm sort of, you know, praying and, and swearing and, like, and wait, you know, waiting for death. Um, okay. The, uh, <laughs> sorry, I don't know where I was going with that. That's all very dark. But it, you know. No, no there, was no, there was no hope. Praying and swearing and just going, do you know what? Accept the inevitable doom. Yeah. That's, that's if you ever want to see me have a mild panic attack for six hours, get on a plane with me. Holidays uh, with you must be lovely. 
What a relaxing break. <laughs> I think just life Rest with a you man is... A man having uh, a nervous breakdown. My partner is a very lucky woman. Uh, <laughs> but um, but it's, it's a very cool technology, right? And I'm, I'm hoping it works because basically it's the same principles as noise-cancelling headphones. So noise-cancelling headphones, the way they work is that when they, they, they listen to the sounds outside and basically uh, emits, you know, waves, they counter the waves with other waves. You know, remember in school drawing how uh, waves would construct or destruct each other? Same principle. Mm. Apply those similar sorts of algorithms uh, to the movements of planes by monitoring the movements of the plane and then you know flapping the flaps of the plane to uh, I was I was just going to ask you very quickly yeah. if you could explain how planes fly and then you use the phrase flapping the flaps <laughs> yeah. so I feel like maybe I, I'll just I'll just leave that one to the listeners Look, to figure out themselves we've yeah. all got we've all got PhDs in physics here so okay. like, like, mm. but so I don't think we need to get into that sure okay. Oh, sure, we know. I, I feel genuinely embarrassed. I've only got an undergrad, um, <laughs> and, I, and I can't explain it any better than flapping the flaps. So, okay, so you're hopeful this is a very personal solution for you. Yeah, if this can let me go on a plane and and not fear fear my imminent demise, then I'm all for it. So I hope it will. I hope it becomes a thing. I hope this company is correct. Their technology is real, and I hope it's wildly successful. In my role as disruptor of mm-hmm. this podcast mm, yep, today, yep. Um, can I be controversial? Quite like turbulence. Oh. There's a hot take Ooh. for your listener. Look. What is it about? There aren't that many thrills in life. And turbulence. Ooh, exciting. Will we die, won't we? Ooh. So you, you book a holiday and like, I'm just going to book a long flight. Like, go to an airport and come back. That's yeah. the joy of it. Get a few bumps. Yeah, I don't need the resort. <laughs> I you, don't need cocktails. I, I think we're going to do an episode. And yeah, this maybe is beyond our budget, but I'm going to put you both on an airplane together uh, and see how that goes. It feels like there's a very different approach to, to that journey. I'm here for that. James, where would you go where with would, Emmy? Where would I go? I, I quite like holidays. I, I'm I'm happy to go to lots of places on holiday. It's just the actual getting there, which I'm not I'm not massively into. Okay, and how long how long do we think it's going to be until they fix this problem for you uh, and knows? ruin the journey for Emmy? Apparently. Mm. So at the moment, as far as I can tell, it's only a small startup. They have got one demonstration flight. There is like a small like you know Cessna or something that they they've they've put this technology on and theoretically proven it can work. So my assumption is it will still take absolutely ages before you get it on a you know seven eight seven or something like that. I worry that this has just been Instagram algorithmed for you, that, that they mm. know what you're scared of and they know you're, <laughs> and they've gone, do you know what? This guy will love this story. And it doesn't exist, but it's just a, a hook to draw you in and now you're investing in the company. That would explain why the other adverts are about, you know, here's a scary dog and, you know, here's your parents' approval. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, what, I mean, what, what's advertised to you on Instagram? What's your kind of... Well, um, my algorithm, unfortunately, not only thinks I'm a man, okay. but thinks I'm the sort of man that invites his friends round and shows them his tool cupboard. Oh, that's <laughs> a man I wish I could be. Mm, yeah, me too. Um, yeah, I got advertised something this week that was um, a sort of, like a mouth that you would see in the dentist, a sort of model of some teeth. But picture that these were not teeth, they were drill bits. Okay, I was worried for a minute. This does not sound like a tool that would be mm. showing around for yeah, male friends. Okay. Yeah, no, so it was some gums with some drill bits. Oh, fascinating. And the comment said something along the lines of, you'll love to show your friends <laughs> when they come round. I, I mean, if I had it, I would show my friends. And yeah, but that guy doesn't have any friends. No, good point. Neither do I, so this is a perfect pitch. <laughs> you know, it's secondhand, I'll buy that. Emmy. as the guest of the podcast this week, you also get to bring a story for us, and you've got one. I do indeed. So this is the story that Citibank have successfully won their claim after they sacked a banker for his two sandwich lunch claim. What the hell? I know. Right. Dig in, guys. This is going to get deep. (laughs) So basically, um, a Citibank worker um, was working away, obviously was given an allowance for food. 
And the problem is that he claimed double sandwich, double pasta, double coffee, because eh, 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 the other one was for his partner. What? Like his business partner? No, no, his wife. His wife. And that's not I don't okay. know if they're married, sorry. I don't want to... Um... No, give us, the, mm. give us the full background of their, their, I mean... their relationship. <laughs> they met on Tinder. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the, the problem doesn't so much lie with the falsehood, but the fact that he um, was questioned about it afterwards and continued with the lie, insisting that he'd had two coffees himself, oh, he two went sandwiches, go, he and I believe it may have been a bolognese and a carbonara. That feels like a lie that you can very easily <laughs> easily get caught in there. It's like, well, what is this? And you just go, oh, I was pretty hungry. Uh, just keep going. It's too hard to, when you say no, when you kind of commit to it initially, you're there. My thoughts on this are, there's something else going on there. What they wanted him out. An affair? Oh, okay, right. Yeah, sacking oh, him. Oh, what, with the sandwich? No. No, no. I, I, th- I not think... Not an affair with the sandwich, with the woman. Uh... A few years ago, this was not checked at all, right? Like, expenses mm. used to be a much more relaxed world, and now it very much is a thing, and this really shows that. There's a much more scrutiny to it. Well... And I think there's a fairly famous reason for that. The MP's expense scandal. Oh, okay. I was thinking of like more sandwich gossip. I was like, oh, I didn't really know. There was a fear that these expenses were checked. But Citibank is a different beast, right? Like the the big banks were doing that. It shows how tight budgets are right now. I was going to say, I thought that the banks were all very wealthy companies that would be very Mm. generous in terms of what they offer staff because they've got loads of money. They're the rich bankers. And yet someone is apparently... You know, looking through the bottoms of the receipts, the sandwich expenses. What what happened to all the money? This is what I mean. There is something else going on with this guy. Yeah. I don't think it's about the sandwich for him. We're not saying definitely. Because <laughs> no. James has, has put the fear of God into me that one day we're going to get sued. Uh, listen, numbers are growing, and this this could be a risk for us. But okay, I, I, well, I, I hear I hear I hear the logic. To focus on something that wouldn't get anyone. Sued. No, no, this guy's a crook. Go for it. Commit. <laughs> <laughs> I think. The problem, my problem with this article is it gave me sort of secondhand embarrassment because you know, you know, maybe you're hungover and you over order takeaway, and mm. you know you do that thing, don't you? Oh, darling, they're at the pizzas here when there's no one else in, and um, <laughs> I, I, I really do know that feeling. <laughs> and I feel like having what I'd eaten on any given business business trip completely scrutinised puts that same fear into me. Yeah. That it almost would be easier to say, yes, I scammed you. I, I did have someone there with me rather than admit that. <laughs> There's a real danger this guy did was just hungry and did yeah. just have two lunches. But what? no, no, I've got a wife, honest. Yeah. Um, uh, well, good luck to him in his future endeavours. Uh, not at City Bank, but him and his wife, I hope they get lunch somewhere else and, yeah. and things go well. Then. Yeah. This week, we've got links in the newsletter to two interviews that we've done recently with figures in the news. One with Tatton Spiller, the founder of the Simple Politics Instagram page. Tatton has a new book out. And separately, James, you sat down er- earlier today with a gentleman called Richard Sambrook. Tell us who Richard is and why the heck we sat down with him. Yeah, he's a really important man. He was basically the man in charge of all of BBC News uh, for a very long time. He started at the corporation, corporation uh, in the 1980s. Uh, he covered, uh, he was producing the coverage of the Berlin Wall. He was there all the way through the Iraq War up until 2010. Uh, he was the pro- the uh, the producer overseeing uh, the six o'clock news, the nine o'clock news. Uh, I guess what, what became the ten o'clock news. He ended up as director of all of BBC News and all of the World Service. So he was the man who quite literally made the news happen. Mm. And we sat down with him uh, for a, a long interview. Well, you sat down with him. I was mm. nearby, but you, you sat down with him in the studio and we've, we're going to put the full thing as a separate bonus episode 
Uh, Emmy, just to explain our bonus episode approach, we call it a bonus episode if it's very a very specific topic that not everybody wants to listen to, but it, we, bonus makes it sound great, and it mm. will be great. I, I heard mm. it. It's a very good conversation. The only downside is it's not about trains. It's not about trains. You're always sad, and one day we will just be able to get this in every week. And now we're just getting it in every week by you saying it is or isn't about trains, but unfortunately he, everyone's got flaws, and Richard didn't mention trains once, I don't think. Mm. Uh, but yeah, the episode will go out as a separate thing, but we're going to listen to him now. You know, a lot of people criticise impartiality or objectivity as a notion, which is what the BBC, amongst other news organisations, tries to achieve, mm. because they say, oh, it's just false equivalence. It's both sidesism. You've got to say on the one hand, but on the other. Well, that's not the benchmark for impartiality. That you know, if it's if you come to some false equivalence, then you've gone wrong, mm. and and that's not what impartiality is 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 being is trying to achieve at all. In fact, it's rather the opposite of that. Properly properly conducted impartial journalism would properly weight those arguments so that the audience is absolutely clear that mm. 90% of the world's climate scientists, 90% plus, think this, and actually those who think the opposite are the mavericks. Now, the public needs to know that and understand that rather than, you know, the false equivalence. So Richard was talking about the value of the BBC uh, as a public service broadcaster, where it fits in life. Uh, Emmy, where do you think the BBC is in, in British conversation? It gets a lot of stick, right? Do you think it still has a place? Uh, I like to think that it does, but I think increasingly over time that's been called into question. I think people are very much more open now to getting their news from other sources. Um, Where do you get your news, if I can put you on the spot? Well, guys, look, <laughs> I don't want to flatter you. Oh, it's what that what's happening now is newsletter. Um, no, it's not. Okay, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> very nearly. Okay. No, but what I will say is, um, given recent... Shocking, horrific, awful events. I think the ability to get news in podcast form rather than visual media has been very, very welcomed. I think it's given the opportunity to sort of pick and choose what the mind's eye has to then deal with. And I think I've been very grateful for that. So shows have actually been very helpful in the last few weeks in particular. Well, people now have got a lot to choose from, right? There's, there's all these there's surveys that come out every once in a while saying the majority of news for young people comes from TikTok, from Instagram, from from podcasts, from, there's a big variety out there. And I'm a young person. I didn't want to say it directly. I very <laughs> nearly was like, I mean, how old are you? Would you fall into this survey bracket? But, no. but it's true. Like, uh, James, you're not a young person. Uh, where do you get your news? Uh, well, I, because I am a creature of the internet uh, who can't stop scrolling. That's such a good way to describe um, you, creature of the internet. Yeah, I, I, this is the thing. A lot of surveys will go out and ask people, you know, and a, lot of way, an off, a common way of polling is saying, well, what newspapers do you read every day or whatever? I, because I'm relatively young, I'm 36, which is still relatively young, definitely still re mm, relatively mm, young. Baby. Uh, yeah, but you it, know, in age terms, I, but in every other way. Yeah, I don't read a paper. I just scroll through my feed like everyone else does and click on whatever comes up. So I, I read, you know, I'll read The Guardian, I'll read The Telegraph, I'll read The Mirror, I'll read The Daily Mail, because whatever whatever catches my interest. And that's how I consume content. But I think the most interesting way, uh, and the most interesting thing that's happened in recent years in the way we consume news content is, I find it often much better to find individual reporters and voices who are sort of authoritative and knowledgeable than outlets, I think. Uh, whereas uh, before you would go, oh, I'm going to read this because it's on the BBC or it's in The Guardian. Yeah. I find it much better to, to go, no, here's the person on the ground who's doing the reporting who oh, I can trust. And, a newsfluencer. And, yeah. I get it. James, you mentioned yeah. there talking about clicking things on your feed and maybe you were trying to tell us how open-minded you are. But mm. What I heard was you're just very easily 
influenced by what pops up in front of you. Mm. Mm. How do we feel about clickbait, guys? Is that something that we fall for? Well, I, I click on things all the time, and you won't believe what happens next. Uh, that was a funny joke. Oh, yeah. I was doing a joke. I was doing a joke. I was doing a joke. Sorry, I was just thinking about my favourite clickbait. What is your favourite clickbait? Have you, so, do you need a minute? I can see. No, no, I know what it is. In the, in the studio, Amy's eyes are going off to like the ceiling. You know, in a film, and someone's like, "Huh, I'm thinking," and it's just like you, uh, you drifted off into your no, favourite clickbait. I have a very specific one that pops up a lot. Um, is have you seen the one? There's a woman, and she's sort of hugging a horse, and the comments. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> a, a bad start. I know. Yeah. Um, it says something like. The doctor did a scan of the baby, and then the it can't be that the horse was arrested, but it's something like that. Have you ever seen this one? It's so I don't oh, know what the implication is. Oh yeah, no, is. of course we've all seen the horse hugging lady <laughs> talking about the baby. <laughs> like, if anything, the internet is just too full of that. You're like, gonna see it now, and you're gonna think, Emmy, warn me about this. Did you click it? No. Oh, so it's not worked. But it's worked to imprint onto your mind, mm. but not to go. Oh, I'm not falling for that one, horse. Okay. <laughs> So I was going to say, my controversial opinion is that clickbait is actually quite a good thing. I think it's, it's very easy to go, oh, look at this, it's clickbait. But ultimately, and I say this with the, the interest of being a professional writer, you want people to read things. And then if you can frame the coverage or frame the article in a way that makes people actually click on it, that's quite good. I think if you, uh, you can get bad clickbait, which is obviously just, you know, well, that's ultimately whether it's just terrible journalism or terrible writing or something. But if you can write something good, but then put a headline on it that people actually want to read, because I write all sorts of boring shit. But if I, if I, but if I put, an, you know, I, if I wrote a long discourse on some boring public transport thing, no one would click on it. But if I can go, you know, uh, buses are shit, everyone should take trains, then, you know, immediately people are going to click on that. They're immediately immediately it's like the horse thing all over yeah. again people are going to be like oh I can't resist exactly. that um, oh, apparently Emmy can resist the horse no. don't take that sentence out of context please <laughs> <laughs> try my best I thought I I like to think that I'm trained to clickbait now and I kind of mm. st stubbornly resist it I will see something that's trying to get me to click and I believe in like these new models of journalism you need to fund it it's fine and, and places try and drive traffic I, I respect that but if I see someone trying to get me to click mm. I will Google it. I will go around the internet to find the answer to their question and go, no, not going to trick me. Mm, I think it is very depressing that basically even all of our biggest, most historic news publishers are basically enthralled to the algorithm and have to do these sorts of tricks now. Like the one I always think of is um, is uh, it's all, all of the big regional papers that used to exist, like uh, the Liverpool Echo and stuff. If you look at their Facebook pages, they'll often do stories, but they'll put the, the, the thing they'll say on Facebook is, and, it, and it, for yeah. some reason it's always national news, but it's always like, a major BBC star has been involved in a scandal, and it won't tell you what it is, and you click through, and it's just like, you know, Richard Maidley tweeted something, or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And... Um, and, uh, but they have to have that sort of expectation gap to try and make you click. And it's just so depressing that all of these these storied publications are having to sort of stoop to this sort it of thing. It does work, though. It does get your interest and it does catch you, yeah. take you in. Also, mm. I assume this is true of other regional newspapers, but Liverpool Echo is the one that I've grown up with, that um, they love to connect an individual to Liverpool somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it sort of goes back three generations. Yeah. <laughs> Once visited Liverpool. Here's yeah. Her, yeah. If Kim Cattrall from Sex and the City ever gets mentioned, I think it's oh. Liverpool-born Kim. Yeah, I saw her <laughs> episode of Who Do You Think You Are? So that weirdly stuck with me. Um, I, I always get I live in Kent, which isn't that far from L London. And, you know, London is the place where all the celebrities are. But even in Kent, you get local press stories that are like, Someone off of casualty has been seen walking around Kent. <laughs> and it's just like... <laughs> I feel like they could do better. Like, no offence to casualty. It doesn't even run anymore. It's uh, You can do better than that. Come on, Kent. 
I I got clickbaited early on the bus, and like I say, I think I'm pretty well trained for it now. I'm stubborn about it. But behind me, there was two, there must be about four or five-year-olds talking about dinosaurs. And one of them was saying <laughs> things like, Hugo, what's the longest dinosaur? The answer is not what you expect. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was in my seat going, oh, tell me, tell me. And it really works. It does hook your ear. Um, and? and oh, do you know what? I can't remember the example. There was like, I think he then made up the answers because I was turning around challenging and was like, that's wrong, you little prick. Um, but <laughs> it got me involved in their conversation one way or another and they asked me to leave and that's fine. Yeah, James, what was your mm. favourite part of the interview with Richard? He was a really, uh, I thought, interesting man and at the risk of clickbaiting the listener, listening to the bonus episode to find out more. But what bit did you find most insightful? I thought it might really interesting, and I'm really sorry to sort of serious up the tone, but with his comments on uh, the current controversy around uh, how you report uh, the Middle East conflict, it was interesting him talking about why you would choose this. There's been a big controversy this week about uh, the use of the term militant uh, versus the word terrorist to describe uh, Hamas's actions. And it's been a big controversy because the BBC have stuck with militant. Uh, but he explained uh, why they do that in terms of, sort of this long-standing editorial policy. And he pointed out, and I think this is probably an underappreciated point, the BBC are doing it that way because they've got people on the ground in Gaza and it's probably quite a good idea not to sort of <laughs> go out of your way uh, to, to uh, piss people off and put people in danger uh, when you have sort of uh, more quote-unquote neutral terms. I'm paraphrasing what he said there, so go back, go and listen to the whole thing. Uh, but basically, there is a sort of logic to it, even if people disagree with it. So I thought he made a really interesting point. It's not just a BBC thing, by the way. It's always the BBC that gets singled out, presumably because it's a publicly funded broadcaster. But it's the same policy that most you know, big international news organisations have. So it's the same mm. policy as Reuters, the Associated Press, ITN, Sky, the New York Times, the Financial Times. I could go on and on. They all have the same policy. Uh, and it's really two main reasons behind it. One is because to ascribe or to call somebody a, a terrorist or a terrorist organisation places you on one side of the line. The old cliche was one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. That's too pat now. Um, but uh, nevertheless, it's true. You know, you're ascribing a particular political position. And uh, as an international uh, news organisation in particular, that's quite a difficult thing to do. Mm. And related to that, of course, you're going to have your staff working on both sides of the line. And, you know, for, if, if the BBC you know, called Hamas a terrorist organisation and, you know, attacked them in the way that some of the, the BBC's critics want them to do, then it would be extremely difficult for the BBC to work in Gaza. Broad question, I know. Is your life better for having news in it? for knowing what's going on in the world? Well, the last time I would say I properly dipped out of the news was during the pandemic. So it's in hard Intentionally to... moved away from it completely? Yeah. Okay. So in that case, it's kind of hard to measure because life was significantly worse anyway. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to separate. I think I was dipping away from the news to make my life slash mental health better. But um, there were other factors at play. Also in the newsletter this week, we're going to put a link to our YouTube interview with Tatten Spiller, the founder of Simple Politics on Instagram. Now, Tatten was talking about in the pandemic, I mean, he was saying that they intentionally didn't report number of deaths because right. he said that people don't want to know. They don't need to know because it only makes them sad. It only makes things worse for them. You've, you bought into that. 
you hard agree, and I do follow simple politics. Great. Um, Tatton will be pleased to know because he said in an in, one of the things he said in an interview, he doesn't know anyone who follows it, which well, I didn't, didn't, I fully, uh, didn't fully believe. <laughs> I'll introduce you. I would say their numbers beg to differ. Nearly a million people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah quite Tat- a few. Tatton's like, no, I've never, don't know anyone who follows simple politics. I was like, mm, okay, well. Okay, well, I do. Yeah. Um, no, hard, hard agree with that. I would not want to have been bombarded with that every day during the pando. And did, like, did it work for you? Did life get, not better, but was it better not following the news in the pandemic? Well, I was working for Parliament at the time, okay. so... <laughs> Bit busy. Yeah. yeah. I, I was living the news, I guess. You were the news. I was the news. I would say. Mm. On the whole, people, you know, do feel kind of weighed down by the news at the moment. Yeah. Like, like I can't comprehend of a world where I'm not so broken by the news because I've been following it so closely mm-hmm. for so many years. I mean, I look and see other people, you know, having families and engaging and connecting with the world around them and, <laughs> and, and smiling occasionally or having hobbies. And I just think that's not for me. Uh, yeah, 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 sure. I just want to scroll. I think, yeah, I think there is definitely a healthy balance. You can get too into it. You can sort of tell, uh, you, you have to sort of train yourself to be a, a, a sort of a conscious news consumer who doesn't get driven a bit mad by it. And what? how do we feel about positive news? Like the actual seeking out of good and interesting and stories that, that take the world forward and go, this is a good thing that's happening. Often not as clickbaity, not as headliney, but there are good things happening in the world. Oh, we live for the drama, don't we? Okay, okay, that's, that's uh, no, thank you. You keep your good news, Sam. I'm not interested in that. I, I quite like uh, the idea of looking for positive news, not in a sort of naive way. I think it's just the, the news structurally has a bias towards uh, death and destruction. If it bleeds, it leads, is the old phrase oh, is it? Uh, mm. that people would say. So, you know, every, every time you switch on the news, it's going to be earthquakes and bombings and so on. Whereas good things that happen tend to be a bit of a slower burn if someone invents uh, a, a new vaccine against malaria as happened a few weeks ago uh, that's going to be, be a while until we see the impact of that and then the only way that's ever going to become a thing that we notice is if someone actually looks at the graphs uh, of, of you know life expectancy going up in, in whatever different countries or and and that's just not a newsy thing because it's not there's no there's no one incident you can pin it on it's just long-term trends and things getting better so again it's about sort of taking that perspective i think Emmy, James, thank you very much for this week. We've talked about the news. We've talked about more of the news. We've talked to two men talking about the news. It's been a newsy week. It's been lovely. Thank you, guys. No, thank you for joining us, Emmy. Uh, Where can the listener, the the fans of your voice and your work find you in future? Uh, Well, fans of my voice um, may hear me advertising a certain dating app at the moment. Oh, look out for her. Listen out for her. Yes, absolutely more. Um, and where can you see me? I am always gigging in and around London. So if you want, I'm allowed to say if you want to follow me on Instagram. I was I was kind of trying to do it subtly, but yeah, like uh, I was hoping you'd just drop it in. But you've you, but you're polite to ask. Yeah, where can if if anyone wants to follow you on Instagram, Twitter, tit, Twitch, not tits, Twitch, anywhere at all, <laughs> anywhere at all, where can they find you and follow you? So if anyone does want to follow me on tits, it's okay. <laughs> So if anyone does want to follow me on the socials, it's at Emmy Files. Files is F-Y-L-E-S. And yeah, you can look at my nonsense. Look at Emmy's nonsense. 
James, would anyone ever want to follow you? And, and you know what? We never plug you. Why do, where, where can the listeners follow your content? Uh, the best thing to do is go to jamesomalley.co.uk and subscribe to my Substack for some very nerdy takes. Yeah. What did you talk about this week, James? What did I talk about this week? Uh, I talked about... Usually I write about trains and public policy no, no. and local government. Specifically, what did you talk about this week? This week I wrote about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very important issue. This is the only time on this podcast that I've asked James to plug his own stuff. And it's the week that he's talked about Star Wars. So, sorry. Um, guys, it's been a real pleasure. We're going to uh, hear you again, James. Just don't stop. Just keep coming back. Can't wait. Um, and, Emmy, it's been a real joy to have you. Thank, Thank you, so you guys for having me. So, who, who influences you, James? Who does influence me? The, the, yeah, the, the news influencer who influences me the most. I'm a big fan of Matt Iglesias, the, math, the American writer. Oh, yeah. Uh, because he, he I agree with a lot of his politics, and he does good takes that are um, timely and fun. I'm going to edit this out because you're whispering like you're embarrassed by the Sorry, answer. It's bit, fine. Yeah. Don't. You'd love to say that you love Matt Iglesias. Yeah. It's fine. People do. It's I cool. want him to be my dad. Is that embarrassing? That is embarrassing. I've made it embarrassing. Also, he's only slightly older than me, so that'd be even weirder. How old is he? Is it like, what, like 40 or something? Okay, and you're... 30. 36. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it doesn't work. Be a big brother. Sorry, uh, uh, this is this is awful. Let's do no, it. No, 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 this oh, is going no. in the podcast. Oh, no. Um, <laughs>